This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to the latest in LGBTIQ plus health and policy for LGBTIQ plus health Australia. I'm your host, Triana Butler, coming to you today from the land of the Yalakutwilan clan of the Bunurung people. With me today on the latest is Natasha Stretton and Lily Hayward from Welcome Catagen, which is a national research project that aims to understand and promote the mental health and well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQA plus young people. Now, if anything we discuss on this episode of The Latest upsets you and you need somebody to talk to, you can contact QLife on 1800 184 527. We've got links for you in the show notes if you need. Lily, Tash, hey, thanks for being here. Whereabouts are you right now? Hello, uh, I'm Lily, this is Tash, we're from Telephone Kids, and we are currently on Wajak Noongar Buja, and we're overlooking beautiful Kings Park, or in Noongar language, Karagara, and we're happy to be here today. Oh my God, it sounds stunning. So first of all, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your role in the Walken Katagin team. What is it that you do? Yeah, um, so I'm a research assistant on the project. Um, I joined in April this year and we provide all-round research support um, and we've been really involved in the project for the last six to eight months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we joined about the same time. Um, Tash was already working on another project with Telethon and I came on as a Noongar gender-fluid bisexual Aboriginal person to, you know, help with analysis as well as, you know, general research support and admin comm stuff over the past couple of months. Now, give us a little bit of an overview of this project, the Welker and Katajin project, and what its goals are. Like, what is this about? Yeah, Welker and Katajin arose directly from the need identified by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQ plus community around their concern for data on mental health and well-being. We were interested in understanding the mental health, social emotional well-being and service experiences of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQA plus young people and found there was no data reporting on the levels of mental health. This is and this is despite long-standing calls for more research from community advocates, researchers that highlight the risk of suicide in this population and the inadequacy of existing services. I mean, it does seem strange that, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, there are a lot of studies that are done on that very specific group of people. There are a lot of studies done on LGBTQIA plus communities in Australia. So the lack of research on where those two communities intersect sounds bizarre to me. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's the the two intersections of such marginalised groups and the fact that there's no strong data around that until this survey, um, the Morgan Cottage survey, it's an area where there's a lot of very vulnerable people and we can't start to address that issue without data, which is where the survey comes in. Um, and yeah, it's the first of its kind and we've been able to get a huge amount of data 
It's powerful work. Now, what does the name Welker and Katajin translate to? What does that mean in English? Welker and Katajin is Nunga, and it roughly translates to rainbow knowledge. Welker means rainbow, and Katajin has different definitions depending on who you ask or what dialect, um, which linguist um, defined it. But um, Katajin more broadly refers to listening, understanding, thinking, and then that kind of encapsulates knowing. And as a Nunga person interested in language myself, I find that better encapsulates our what our project is doing because co-design and you know, decolonizing is something that I feel was prioritized in this research. We in, like to ensure that there's an Indigenous voice in throughout the entire process, like all we've got three phases. Every phase ensures that it's co-designed, co-collaborated with Indigenous voices. And the Noongar word, I mean, we're based on Noongar country, so it's culturally relevant, but it also allows that broad understanding of the group that we're targeting. Which is such an important part of it, you know, having that understanding there. Given that we're pretty early on in this data, what are some of the key factors that you found that influence the mental health and well-being of those Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQA plus young people that you're doing this research and these surveys on? Yeah, so there were quite a few findings. I won't go into every single one of them because we would be here for quite a while, but all the findings from phase one and past research suggests that these social and historical factors contribute to the social and emotional well-being of LGBTQA plus Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people. Um, and some of the key factors that we found was connection to family and kinship. So family acceptance and support are really influential on mental health and social and emotional well-being. Um, connection to culture. That ties into some of the other factors that we found. So young people can connect to culture by learning about culture and taking part in cultural practices. Um, And ways that they can do that is by connecting with elders, family and friends. And this knowledge is often facilitated by community elders, family, friends, programs, services and schools, among others. And elder acceptance and support is also crucial for well-being. And young people are looking to their elders and community members as a way to connect to their culture and have better outcomes for their mental health and social and emotional well-being. Connection to community, whether that's Aboriginal LGBTQI plus community, Aboriginal community or LGBTQI plus community, or a combination of all three. Visibility and pride and identity, so that's the representation in media, um, books, and just visibility in general. And then lastly, negatively impacting was racism and discrimination. So that's homophobia and transphobia within the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community and racism within the LGBTQA plus community Um, as well as racism from romantic and sexual partners. And the research found that this area had the biggest impact on mental health and social and emotional well-being. 
But overall, whilst findings suggest that discrimination experiences are common in this group of young people, they're not always negatively impacted by them. Um, and this can point to possible strategies that young people have learned to cope with discrimination um, and inherently the different in impacts of different types of discrimination. Um, or young people are just not perceiving some behaviours as discriminatory. And I think that really suggests that young people are really resilient and have some great internal ways to cope with mental health and social and emotional well-being. You touched on collaborating with community there. Um, what does that look like on a practical level as part of this research? Well, the research initially came about because we heard calls, right? And in starting that research, we had to develop relationships with organisations in those areas, uh, like One Janine Yorgum and First Peoples Rainbow Mob. There are a few Aboriginal community-controlled organisations from over here, Wadja Country, um, and they have provided us a lot of expert advice as well as you know support in ensuring that this research sparks on top of that, we have our we have a governance group and a youth advisory group. So basically anything that we do, we refer it to them and ask for their approval. So every time like the latest report came out, like all the findings that we presented had gone through them to see if that's what made sense to them and how it you know, everything that comes out, we go through them. Um, we've also got Indigenous investigators at all levels of our project. And the next phase of this report, this pro research project, um, is all about co-design and roadmapping and ensuring that that phase happens along with community and, like, relevant Indigenous voices. So throughout this entire research, we like to ensure that Indigenous queer people are involved. We're chatting with Tash Stretton and Lily Hayward from Welker and Katajin, who are over on Noongar country. Now, what sort of preliminary findings or trends are we finding out of this research? So the levels of socio-emotional um, well-being among participants were mixed, um, which reflects the fact that it's a group of people and very diverse. Um, so there was high levels of connection to their communities, um, but less connected to family and kinship networks, their culture, their country, their body and to their mind and emotions. Um, and the levels of connection to spirit, spirituality and ancestors and connection to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQIA plus communities were particularly low as well. Um, and as we mentioned in one of the previous questions, those are really important factors to um, protect mental health and socio-emotional well-being. Um, concerningly, we did find that levels of psychological distress were very high for the majority and 91.9% of participants reported high or very high levels of psychological distress. Um, and this is almost reverse of what you'd expect to see in non-Aboriginal communities um, where there's lower levels of really high distress, um, which is really concerning and highlights why we need research into areas like this intersection of two marginalised groups. 
Whilst half, about half of participants felt safe using services of all kinds, they also reported that services had low level of knowledge about caring for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQI plus young people. And a considerable number of participants had heard rude or ignorant comments about their identities. Um, and this will lead into some of the interventions that we are now working on as a result of this research. I think most importantly is that participants were really proud of being Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and LGBTQA+, and they saw a role for both these identities within Aboriginal culture and LGBTQA+, communities. Um, they said that the best aspects of being an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQA+, young person of the community and its resilience, their unique perspective, and that they have hope for the future and the ability to educate others, finding themselves and how LGBTQA plus identity can be decolonizing. Um, findings from the survey suggest that support from family, community, elders, along with a sense of pride in their identities can improve Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQA plus young people's social and emotional well-being. Lily, let me ask you this. What's your takeaway from this research that's been done so far? Like, how do you feel about it? How does it sit with you? I find it's an accurate depiction of the state of affairs of the social, emotional well-being of LGBTQA plus Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. But I also feel like it's the first big step we can make towards developing research-backed interventions for us. I find it like a lot, I've read through the report, I've looked at, I've done some qualitative analysis for the report and I find a, there's, I'm frequently um, relating to a lot of the responses and feelings and it's in part, it's difficult to acknowledge, but I do feel seen in this report. I do feel acknowledged myself in this report. So I feel like this will provide a solid basis for real change. Well, knowing that that real change is, is hopefully on the way, you, you mentioned some of the interventions that have been suggested as part of the, the research. What are they? What do they look like? We just kind of, we touched over it, but I do want to hear about them and, and kind of what that looks like on a practical level. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the exciting next phase of the project. We've done the survey, we've done the data analysis, um, and the next big step for the project is co-designing a roadmap for the social and emotional well-being and mental health of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQA plus young people and design a culturally specific well-being interventions with young people, elders and community organisations. And Lily briefly mentioned it before, but it will all be co-designed and a collaborative approach. Um, we're also currently working on a training health providers to work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQA plus young people project. Um, and this project builds on the initial findings from phase one of Warp and Cartagen to provide resources and training packages for ACOs to support them to provide inclusive care for LGBTQA plus Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people. We're currently recruiting uh, young LGBTQA plus Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people for this project. So if there are any listeners out there that are interested, um, you can sign up 
and provide an expression of interest on our website so that you can be involved in this co-design of a training package. And it is national, so it's not just um, limited to us in Noongar country. Um, it can be national as well. We also have a Pride Yarns project. So this is the development and trial of an intergenerational intervention for supporting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTQA plus young people's well-being. Um, and this really builds on the findings of the importance of elder acceptance and support. Um, so the prior work by the research team found that that acceptance promotes social and emotional well-being. Um, and this will be an elder-led support intervention that facilitates supportive conversations about culture, sexuality and gender diversity between LGBTQA plus young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and their elders and produce a toolkit for rolling out Pride Yarns nationally. This research will also allow for more comprehensive future research in several areas of gender and sexuality studies of LGBTQA plus Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And we'll continue to advocate for more funding and support of LGBTQA plus Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people. Um, and we are also in the process of providing advice and input into LGBTIQ plus Health Australia's 10-year action plan for guidelines to inform federal policy. So it does sound like there is a huge national scope here for the data that comes out of this research to really have a, a powerful effect nationally. Well, to wrap this up, Lily, what are your hopes as we have this research that's come together, you know, phase three uh, is kind of getting underway and we've got this this plan for the future, you know, perfect world towards the end of it. What's it going to look like? What kind of effect is it going to have on people? That's a good question. Um, I think it'll take a while for this data to go down to community levels. Um, but I feel like once we have our training package out and delivered into communities, we'll see a more tangible change because as a Noongar person, I find that one of the most frequent times I interact with the co Aboriginal community is when I visit my AMS, my Aboriginal Medical Centre. And in those spaces, we don't see a proactive, inclusive approach for LGBTQI people. At the same time, I want this data to make the non-Indigenous LGBTQI plus community more aware of racism within our their own communities as well and to be more proactive and anti-racist in that because it's it's like two those are the two main communities that we feel discriminated with our own community when they don't accept us as lgbt plus people and in non-indigenous lgbt communities where we have to justify what we constantly have to justify in a white Australia. Um, and that's what I would like to see more down the line. But I feel at least in terms of practical change that will come through once we have all of our ACOs um, able to access like real training packages that are culturally safe. Like it will give a practical way forward that's, given to and provided to them by Aboriginal people. 
Well, if people want to hear more about this project, where can they go? Is there a website? Is there an easy to find location online where they can get this info? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got our Walken Cutagen website and we would encourage anyone who is interested to go and have a look. We've got all our reports um, as well as more info on the training health providers to work with LGBTQA plus Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people that we mentioned before. Um, Lily's worked really hard on designing our <laughs> website and it looks amazing. So if you're interested, would recommend just typing in Walk and Cutagen or rainbowknowledge.org. It will be easier to write rainbowknowledge.org. <laughs> we might get a, a link to it in the show notes so people know how to spell it and they can just click it, that sort of thing. Hey, Lily and Tash, that, you already sound like a, a breakfast radio duo with the name Lily and Tash. Um, thanks so much for joining us today on The Latest. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Huge thank you to Tash and Lily from Welcome Catagin for joining us today on this episode. Now, if you've enjoyed the show, why not share it with someone who you know would get something out of it? Someone in the past has probably told you about some podcast you should listen to or a TV show you should watch. This is your chance to be the person leading the charge and telling everyone what's good to listen to. Go do it. You can also leave us a review if you like on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help people find the show. And if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, you can subscribe in your podcast app right now to make sure you get notifications every time a new episode releases. If you want to suggest someone who you think would be great being interviewed on the podcast, get in touch with us. Send us an email, info at lgbtiqhealth.org.au. Just make sure you include the word podcast in the subject line. If this podcast has raised any issues for you, you can contact QLife, which provides Australia-wide anonymous LGBTI peer support and referral for people wanting to talk about a range of issues, everything from sexuality, identity and gender to bodies, feelings and relationships. QLife services are completely free and they include both telephone and web chat support delivered by trained LGBTIQ plus community members from across the country. Call 1-800-184-527 or visit qlife.org.au if you want the web chat. We've got links in the show notes for you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.